Let's now begin by praying together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have given us. We thank you that you've given us the ability to worship you through your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that you are who you are in your character and nature with your righteousness and love. We, we ask this morning, Father, that we would be able to fully participate in our service this morning, in the song service, in the hearing of the word of God and our fellowship with one another. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated at this time. All righty. Um, I think many of you, if not all of you, received uh, my text yesterday concerning the memorial service for Helen Cantrell. Um, it's going to be held next Thursday, June 22nd at 3 p.m. Thursday, June 22nd at 3 p.m. It's going to be held at the Fred Hunter Funeral Home. That The address is 718 South Federal Highway, Fort Lauderdale. For those of you that are familiar with that Fort Lauderdale area, it is on, of course, Route 1, which is Federal Highway. And it's also just south of the New River Tunnel. There's a tunnel that goes underneath the river. All righty. Um, some of you uh, have known Pastor Bob McLaughlin. He ordained me 20 years ago, and he has now died. He died Friday. He's finished his course. So please pray for his family, and also please pray for his congregation. Thank you. All right. Um, the Healing Hands of Christ Home, uh, they are in the process of purchasing a new building, which they will, which is good because they've had some trouble in the place that they've been leasing. And so they're, they're about to sign a contract for a new building. And by the, by the Lord's grace and by the generosity of some people, um, we are going to be able to provide funding for that. Um, but please keep that in your prayers because there's an obstacle right now. It's actually been put up by the Indian government concerning their receiving the finances we're sending. So please keep in prayer that the that, that, uh, Lord will remove that obstacle really soon. Also, I want to let you know that Pastor Kingsley is planning a missionary trip to Johannesburg, South Africa. That's in September. It's going to be September 9th through September 27th. So please keep that and him in your prayers that he would have much success in evangelizing there. Well, our new space is looking great. There's a picture of it. Um, just the finishing touches are needed now. So at the risk of being wrong once again, I think we're going to have our first service there on Sunday, July 2nd. Sunday, July 2nd. Those of you that are online, please note that as of that date, July 2nd, we will no longer be on Skype on Sundays. Okay, And that's because we will be broadcasting live once again. You can go to our website, www.lbible.org. Let me do that again www.lbible.org. There's a link. Is it right on? It's on the homepage, right? Right on the top is a link that you can click, and then you'll be in, and you'll be you'll be there to see the, the live video. So we're really excited about that. So excited that I have to show you a couple more pictures. You can see that as well. Um, beautiful, isn't it? And then, um, yeah, I got one more. 
So, so I'm excited, really excited. I'm so excited I'm going to leave for two weeks. I just, and I'll come back. Actually, two weeks, but only one Sunday. Um, uh, no, oh, see, they, no, that's, that's just some couches for the workers. Um, but we're going to have seats and tables just like we have all along in our, in our, in our buildings. And once again, this Thursday, next Thursday, no Bible study. Next Sunday, it's the only Sunday I won't be here. So there'll be no service next Sunday, June 25th. Coming back the following Sunday, July 2nd. All right, please turn in your Bibles now to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, starting in verse 12. John 14, 12. title of tonight, today's message is, You Will Keep My Commandments. It's the second half of verse 15. We had the first half last week, If You Love Me, the Lord says. Second half, You Will Keep My Commandments. And that's our subject this morning. Okay, July, June, what the heck? John 14, some wires crossed in the brain, huh? John 14, starting in verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Another counselor is the same kind as I am, that he may be with you forever. That is the Holy Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. As we've been seeing, there are four really big deals in these six verses. The first one, remember, is greater works. Greater works than these will you do. Recall that they're greater because of the purpose of them, because of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. We now, as the body of Christ, are called to preach the gospel throughout the world. And there's a special, whole special spiritual life that he's given us because the Holy Spirit indwells us. And that allows us to do things that no believer in any other time could do. And I'm talking about spiritual as well as application of the principles in the word of God, the New Testament. So the first one is greater works. The second one, remember, we saw in verses 13 and 14 answered prayer. If Jesus says, if you ask for anything and then the important phrase in my name, I will give it to you. I will I will do it. And again, we've studied what in my name means. It means that in in, in union with how he thinks and therefore we have to get to know him before we can pray for anything in his name. And the test is, is what I am going to be asking for going to lead to the father being glorified in the son. Since we're in Christ, when we have his thinking, when we share his thinking, know more about him, then our prayer life will be better and be more attuned and directed towards glorifying the Father. And then, of course, the one we're doing today, loving Christ. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We're going to see all about what 
loving means, particularly in the Gospel of John and in his letters. Loving Christ. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. As we're going to see, that is a statement of fact. And then fourth, when we come back, we're going to see verses 16 and 17, where Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, another counselor, that he may be with you forever. That's the last subject in this passage. We'll be looking at that in a couple of weeks. Last Sunday, again, we finished the second subject, which is answered prayer, prayer in Jesus' name. This morning, therefore, we continue with our third subject in this passage, loving Christ. Again, look at John 14, 15, because this is where we'll be this morning. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we're going to see that this is a love that's unique. It's a love that was revealed by Jesus Christ, by his life. And here, remember, we're in the upper room the night before. He's going to go to the cross. He's with his closest disciples. And he's going to say, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And so this love, it goes way beyond anything that humans can conceive of or even participate in apart from the Lord. Okay. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, we have a relationship with the Lord, and it's a unique one. With our Lord, love and our obedience are inextricably linked. They're pretty much one and the same. If you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And to see more of that, please turn to John chapter 15, verse 10. John chapter 15, verse 10. In our relationship with the Lord, it's a mutual relationship, but it's also a subordinate one. He is the head. We're the body. Our love for him translates into our obedience to him. Verse 10 of chapter 15, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Now, abiding in his love, by the way, refers to living in his love. See, it's, it's, so it's, it's, it's more than just loving at one point in time. It is a whole life that we have with Christ, in Christ, with the Father, abiding in that love as a daily experience. And how do we abide in that love? He always loves us, but us abiding in his love has to do here with keeping his commandments, keeping his commandments. By the way, it's not a condition. It's a statement of fact. In other words, the way to abide in his love is to keep his commandments. It's just a statement of fact. Notice now the precedent comes back. We've seen this before with answered prayer. Just as I, Jesus, have kept my father's commandments and I abide in his love. So in other words, it works the same way in the relationship between Jesus and his father. Okay, he always kept his father's commandments and therefore he had a, a richness that was hard to even imagine of living in living together in his love, in his humanity now, because the son of God has been in the love of his father forever. Right. The Holy Spirit. I mean, this, it's an incredible, um, energetic, hard, you know, inconceivable love relationship between the father, the son and the Holy Spirit. But from that spinning off of that. Because he loves not only, they not only love each other, but the Lord, Father, loved the world. And that got things rolling for us. And the, and the way that he demonstrated his love for us and for the world is to give, right? Give his only begotten son. Jesus Christ in turn demonstrated his love for us at the cross. 
So that's all the precedent. In other words, that, that happens first. That, that sets the stage. That gives the, the role model for the example, the definition, in fact, of what love is to mean for us. Again, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Once again, as I just mentioned, Jesus sets the precedent. He always does that for us. Whatever he's asking us to do, he did for us. The way that he wants us to think is the way that he's always thought. The way that he wants us to love is the way that he loved us and other people. So Jesus, as always, sets the precedent. If you want to understand something of how we are to obey him, all we have to do is look at how he obeyed the Father. Okay, now that's daunting. That's a challenge because we know that he obeyed him in all things. And many of the things the Father asked him to do were very, very difficult in his humanity. Things that I, that I can't even imagine being faced with, the pressures that he had, knowing that he would he would have words to speak from his father that would that would just um, turn these people against him. Right. That would that would light a fire of anger. And yet he said them anyway, you know, and and he knew the night before he was going to go to the cross. He knew exactly what his father's will had called for. He said he said I basically he said I would like you, father to take this cup of suffering and take it away. But it's not what I want. It's your will. So even at that, and I think we mentioned last week, that that should be in the back of our minds whenever we're, as it were, confronted with a situation where we know from God's word what we're supposed to do. And in our human nature, we don't want to do it. Okay, we have to look to the cross. You know, we look to the cross, first of all, to understand our redemption. We look to the cross to understand how Jesus Christ took on our sinful issues, all of them, not only what we've done, but who we were in our flesh. And he dealt with all of that. That's the first thing we see in the cross. But the second thing has to do with not only did he deal with our sins, but he also dealt with who we were. And so the things about who we were in our flesh, which we still have because we're still in the flesh, the way in which we have victory over that is once again to understand what his cross has accomplished. You know, circumcising us away from the flesh is one way it's put. But a third thing we do in terms of looking at the cross is understanding love, understanding how God loved us and how Jesus loved us. And again, that allows us to at least imagine, understand, accept the way he wants us to love others. We'll see that this morning. So again, the main principle, Jesus sets the precedent. Jesus Christ, our Lord, sets the precedent for us with that relationship now that we are, we are, we are called to have with Jesus. He, called, he, was, he had with his father, right? Love for his father became synonymous with obeying the father. Same thing for us. Love for Christ becomes synonymous with obeying Christ. You can't do one without the other. That's the principle. We would like to think that we can just love him with sort of a mental or emotional. And as we're going to see, that certainly comes first. But but the, but the, but loving him ultimately means obeying him, taking taking the actions that he has asked for us to take. That's the hard part, right? That's the hard part. We know that we are told to forgive those who do things against us. Okay, and so we say we love the Lord, but do we do that? See, that's the test of love. 
right? Uh, husbands, love your wives. There's another love as Christ loved the church. We can believe that. We can even love that thought. But are we doing that? Are we as husbands, by the way, happy Father's Day, everybody. Are we as husbands, you know, doing what Jesus said? Wives, same thing, right? Uh, you, you say you, you love the Lord, but remember that equals obeying him in a place where it's these days and in the, in the modern culture is very difficult to overcome some of the cultural things, the pressures about how a woman is supposed to be. That independence, that equal, oh, we're equals when we get married. No, not according to the Lord. You are equals under the Lord, but you have roles. And the Lord has asked the woman, the wife here, to be obedient to her husband. Man, that's hard. That's one of the, I, you know, I, I give it to you women, you wives, because I, if, I, if the roles were reversed, guys, can you imagine? Well, of course, a lot of people are saying, Husband is saying, well, yeah, she's trying everything she can to reverse those roles. But that's another story. <laughs> All right. So that's the point. The point is, is that love and obedience go together. In fact, as we're going to see, that's a definition of love. All right. Now, here we also need to understand that, I don't know, in your Bibles, is 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 verse 15 of John. Well, go back to John 14. You don't, you, you got to look at it again in order to answer my question. If you look at how this is laid out, is John is John 15 like separated as it, from the other? Yes. Right. Now, that would I don't know why they did that. But because what happens is, is that some people want to just isolate that. And boy, there's a lot there. We're going to take we're going to take a message. Let me tell you something. When we start talking about the love of God, the love of Christ, our love for him. Well, you're going to see it this morning. It's 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 just mushrooms out and, and in fact much of what paul writes in the new testament follows from what this principle of love is in in the gospel of john nevertheless this is not an interruption of the train of thought from from verse 12 to verse 17 it's not as if we have john 14 12 to 14 and then stop oh and by the way right if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, let me continue. That's not it at all. Verse 15 is also tightly woven into the fabric of this whole passage. It is third in four things that all are intertwined. I mean, I mentioned before that that's John's way of writing. Remember, I said that he writes in circles, so to speak. And words, he comes along and he introduces a principle. And then that principle then comes back. And then he teaches something new about that same principle. And that's the way he writes. Okay. Same thing here. These four things, I'm going to show them to you in a moment. They all, yes, there's a sequence. But then again, they all come back. So, so for example, if he says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And then if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, if you love me and keep my commandments, then you'll understand more about what you should ask for in my name. So they're connected. Okay, so what are those four things? Well, we've seen them many times. Again, greater works, greater works than these. By the way, if we are to love as Christ loved us, that's a great work. That is that is the fruit, right, that he's looking for. It's supernatural in nature. In fact, it could not be done until Christ went to the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit indwelt us. 
In other words, that command was never given in the Old Testament. The Lord never said, love one another as I have loved you. Right. He said, love. Right. The great commandment, love, love your God with all your mind, heart, soul and strength and then love your neighbor as yourself. But never the idea of love sacrificially the way I have all the way to the cross. That's a revolutionary love. And again, it was introduced by Jesus Christ on this time in the upper room the day, the night before he went to the cross. That leads to the second one. Okay, we're not going to be able to do those greater works. And we've seen this unless we're praying, right, asking for things in his name, asking for things because we've come to know him, asking for things because we know that that will glorify the father and the son. So we can we so we ask. And by the way, one of the big remember, we saw greater works. One of the big ones was witnessing evangelism. And we know that that's something that is part of what Christ wants us to do. If you ask me anything in my name, we know that will glorify the Father. And that's just one example. In fact, any of the, this is why these things are linked. Because if you take the commandments, not the Ten Commandments, okay, but the commandments in the New Testament, right, that are in the Gospel of John, that are in Paul's letters, it turns out that when, when we ask for those in his name, then he will do those also in us. You know, he who began a good work in us. You see, when we hear asking for things in his name, I will do it. You know, the, the tendency is to think about things out here in the world, right? Um, if, I, if I ask to get a million dollars, he'll give it to me. If I ask for this person to be healed of disease, that person will be healed of disease. But the greatest works are the ones he's doing in us, right, in us. Now, that leads to what we are to do as members of the body of Christ. So, in other words, we're to love one another as he has loved us. I mean, to ask for that. See, in our prayer life, there are times when we should be saying, Father, increase my love. Increase my love so that I can more, more conform to the kind of love, this unique love, so that I can be more sacrificial, so that I can be more giving, so that I can be thinking about the needs of others ahead of my own needs at times. See, that's hard, too. That's Philippians chapter 2. Greater works. Prayer in Jesus' name, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. See, that's that. this is where the energy comes from, you see. See, love is the, is the motivation for all of these things. It's God's motivation for sending his son. It ought to be our motivation in our relationships with one another. Love ought to be part and parcel of our relationship with the Lord, you see. And then the energy comes when we keep his commandments. That sets things rolling. If you want to understand how to enter into and really live, okay, keep the commandments of the Lord. That's how you really do it, okay. By the way, that, this is where it all comes back. When we're actually being obedient to the Lord, when we're in that moment, and we say, I know you've asked me to do this. I don't really want to do it. But I'm going to step out in faith and do it anyway under the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we'll see. We'll see the fruit of that. Then we'll start to understand better why it is that he's asked us to love that way. And as we do that, now we know him better. Now we're able to ask for things in his name more effectively. And of course, bless you, the last one, the Father will give you another helper. See, that sort of completes this whole cycle, as with this whole package, because we can't do any of this, ultimately, without the Spirit helping us. 
The Spirit, for example, prays for us when we have a hard time praying. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Well, the Holy Spirit is in there helping us along so that we are crafting prayer, that we are expressing that even when we can't express it, that he'll express it for us. See, the Holy Spirit doing the greater works. We walk by means of the Spirit, you see. So this is all connected. The Holy, uh, I know that, that I can say that. I don't want it to be scrambled in your head. But I do want to understand, you to understand these four things go together. Okay. Greater works, answered prayer, loving Jesus, keeping his commandments, and the Holy Spirit working in our lives. It's all a package, in other words. Well, love and obedience, therefore, our passage today, are essential. They're essential. They're essential elements to these to the, all of the, what the Lord's teaching here, not only here, but here in verses 12 to 17, but all he's teaching, period, love and obedience. And we have to remember those go together. OK, love and obedience. You can take take one, take one or both of those and then you can look at a scripture like pretty much anywhere in the New Testament and you'll see how it fits in. Right. The love of the Lord, the way we're going to see his love for us. And the obedience, you know, um, the book of Ephesians kind of sets a great pattern for our spiritual life. Right. It means, in other words, we, we sit under the teachings, the great teachings in Ephesians one and two. Right. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's the sort of stuff that ought to stimulate our love for him, by the way. And then we then and in chapter then we move. In chapters four and five to the walk, the life, live in love, walk in love. You see, that's the obedience. And then the third one, of course, is the is the greatest form of application, which is on the evil day when we're under attack. The most difficult time to really put our needs aside and think of others, by the way. Right. And we're ready for that so that we have both the love of, of the Lord, his love for us and the obedience. So there you go. The whole book of Ephesians can can be can plug into this. It's such an important thing. Love and obedience are essential elements of our Lord's teaching. They provide the energy. That love and obedience relationship is energetic. It has to be because obedience involves action. You see it. Love involves motivation. See, that's the energy of it all. The motivation, the action. Not only that, but they supercharge our prayer life. Love and obedience, right? And then looking ahead to verses 16 and 17, guess what? The Holy Spirit actually pours the love of God into us. You know that? That's in Romans 5, verse 5, 4 and 5. Amazing. The the Holy Spirit is an essential part of this too. Why? Well, for many reasons. One of them is that he keeps pouring the love of God into us. Okay, now that was never said in the Old Testament either. Okay, and because of that, by the way, if you've ever wondered about scriptures that say, for example, for those who love him. Right. And we think to ourselves, gee, can I love him? Do I love him? Well, just remember, the Holy Spirit keeps pouring the love of God into you. So you can't help it. Believers are going to in some manner or fashion, not necessarily abide in his love all the time, but have some love because it's poured into us. We can't help it. It's being poured into our hearts. And again, he also helps us to pray and he also helps us to enable us really to walk in the walks which God has ordained for us. So in other words, doing what the Lord commands 
us to do magnifies our capacity, our capacity to effectively and genuinely ask for things in Jesus' name. We have to develop a capacity for asking for things in Jesus' name. How do we do it? Doing what the Lord commands us to do magnifies our capacity, our ability to genuinely and effectively ask for things in Jesus' name. Doing what the Lord commands us to do magnifies our ability to do those greater works in verse 12. It's the energy, it's the motivation and the action. Both of those go together, right? The love is the motivation, the obedience is the action. Keeping his commandments also do something else. It indicates an indication. It's an indication that we have come to know him. Literally, to know him is to love him. So if we're keeping his commandments, it means that we love him, which in turn means that we've come to know him. I say that because why? Come to know him is the is the necessary thing in our lives before we can ask for things in his name. So I want you to see how this is all tightly connected. It's all tightly connected. You can't just say, this is what people do, right? Unfortunately, they take one verse and they say, "If the Lord said, if I ask for anything in his name, you will do it. And they run with that, oh, great, right? But you can't. You can't pluck it out of this fabric of verses 12 to 17. It all sits there together. And if you want to understand what that means, you have to understand what the rest of it means. Okay. Please turn to 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, Jesus said. But look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. He says something else. Okay, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But this this is not exactly the same thing. He says something else here. What does he say? By this, we know that we have come to to know him. To know him is to love him. This is how John writes, by the way, just getting it used to it. Okay, I don't want to hopelessly twist your mind in knots today, but this is how he teaches. And you have to kind of look at it and say, wait a minute. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said, If I love him, I will keep his commandments. Here, it says, if I keep his commandments, I'll realize that I've come to know him. Mm. And again, that all works together, right? Coming to know him helps us to love him. Loving him keeps his commandments. Keeping commandments shows that we've come to know him. And then keeping his commandments pours his love into us. By the way, I'm going to show you a picture at the end. All right, so helpfully. We can put all this together. Verse four, of course, but the opposite, the negative, unfortunately, we're not going to spend much time on this, but keys realize that the opposite, the negative, not really the opposite, but the negative, unfortunately, also applies. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Now, in context, he's teaching about the false prophets who have come in and polluted the situation for that congregation. We don't know who the people are that John writes first John to, but we know that there's been an attack of false teachers and then they've left and then, and they've left a mess in their wake. And so, so, so John is making it crystal clear. Sure. I know that they've said, I've come to know him. People say, Lord, Lord, but they don't do what he says. 
Same thing with these false teachers. That's one of the that's one of the indicators, right? I've come to know him, they say, they say it, but they don't keep his commandments. Can you come to know him and not keep his commandments? Can you? No. No, you can't. Notice verse three. By this we know that we have come to know him. How? If we keep his commandments. Okay? The one who says it, we can say all day long, I've come to know him. But the preachers get up and say the same thing, right? I've come to know him, and I know that he wants me to perform miracles. I know he wants me to teach that baptism is necessary for salvation. I've come to know him. I know that I know that he says I'm supposed to love. But if I don't actually love, then I'm not keeping his commandments, and I haven't come to know him. It's important to understand. While we are not supposed to be judging every other believer, okay, we're not supposed to be judging really any other believer, okay? However, when we're in a situation when we're evaluating a teacher, a preacher of the word of God, we have every right to examine whether or not he is keeping the commandments. And I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments, although, yeah, I mean, that's like that's like a floor, right? I'm talking about this, the ones that Jesus gives, right? Particularly loving one another, okay? You can't say you've come to know him if you're not loving one another. Serious business. Again, verse four, the one who says I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, notice this, whoever keeps his word, and that means keeping his commandments in him, in him, the one who keeps his commandments, the love of God has truly been perfected. So if you want if you want to learn how to love, if you want to have love without fear, how do you do it? You keep his word. What does that mean? Keep his commandments. See the way that you the love if you want to say I I want love to be perfected in my life. Well, guess what? You keep his word. Oh, and by the way, keeping his word means keeping his commandments. So you work backwards. All right. So and one more time, I want to emphasize this, the relationship, because we've seen this principle before when we're looking at in verses 13 to 14, what it means to ask for things in Jesus name. When we come to know him, we also know what to ask for in his name. When we come to know him, we know what to ask for in his name. Coming to know him means learning about his word. Coming to know him means by the way, understanding why it is that he asks us to do the things that we do, coming to know him, we come to know his character, we come to know the Lord's humility, and we understand how important that is. See, this is not just an intellectual thing, right? It's not just learning a bunch of facts about Jesus. It's really coming to know him, that we are sort of of one mind. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, right? Humbling yourselves, come to know him. When we're doing that, when we're in that position where we humble ourselves, when we're in that position where we, we want what's best for somebody else, believe me, in that situation, we're dwelling in his love. We ask for something according to that situation. The, the probabilities are really good. Why? Because of what we're asking. You see, not for a new car, right? Not, not, not to marry a certain person because you like them. Not because you want even somebody to, to be healed, but because you know Christ. And you know that that you are to love others and you, and you forgive others. And when you're in that place, 
of abiding in him and abiding in his love, he'll know what to ask for. And that's in his name. And it's very it's much more probable that that prayer will be answered. However, or actually not, however, in addition, as we love him better, we come to obey him more completely. So I hope you understand that that is the end game here. Okay, Paul would say the same thing to Timothy. He would say, you know, the the end of our teaching is love. See, See, we can't just think we're teaching and that's enough. We're learning and that's enough. That's the starting point. Okay, because certainly you have to come to know him. But as you love him better, you come to obey him more completely. All right. So I want to keep emphasizing this because, well, because a lot of times the teaching stops before it gets to this. Okay, there's a lot of people that love learning things, a lot of preachers that love teaching things, but but they're not really teaching anything fully if they don't challenge the congregation to be obedient to what it is that the Lord has to say. Okay, whoever keeps His word in Him. The love of God has truly been perfected. As we come to love him, we come to obey him more completely. And when we obey him, we abide in his love. A lot of people have trouble with the word abide in the gospel of John. Sometimes it's just because we think too analytically. Like a lot of people say, well, how can you say I'm abiding in his love when he already loves me? Well, because there's a difference between the situation of the fact that he loves us and us abiding in it. Living in it. You might say, I mean, just, just to give an example, you might say, I love my husband, right? Or husbands, I love my wife. And you probably do. But how do you abide in that love? How do you live out that love? Well, we obey the Lord when it comes to that relationship. When the husband is actually loving his wife sacrificially and the wife is actually submitting to the husband, now you're abiding in that love. All right. So there's a difference there. It has to do with the relationship, an active living relationship. We really live when we're obeying him. So we have a circle and the circle is reinforcing and the Lord has designed it to be that way. The, the simple circle here is love, obey, obey, love a little more. Obey. <laughs> That's the circuit. circle. It's ongoing. That's what I mean about abiding in it. You know, you think about this. You think about the planets going around the sun, and then you then then you see that as an active thing that's going on, and then every day you're living in that orbit. When we obey him, we abide in his love. Circles. Well, circles are a good way of representing mutual relationships, right? Straight lines are a good way of, of representing a one-way relationship, right? But if you want to have a mutual relationship, a circle really does the trick, doesn't it? Right. By the way, though, in most cases, relationships between people are designed to be mutual. You know, the Lord said, listen, when you have extra and you're going to you give it to your brother. And guess what? The day will come when you're going to need something. And then your brother is supposed to give it to you. See, it's mutual. It's mutual. Right. Same thing. You know, ultimately, what we're saying is when our obedience for the Lord and our love for the Lord indicates that mutual thing going on. The love and the obedience are mutual. They go together. Circles. All right. So mutual relationships, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but marriage is a good example. I don't know how you can you guys see that all right? 
is too small. All right. So I call it the Jesus cycle. I don't call it that. But it's called the Jesus cycle because Jesus is entering into a marriage. That's the idea. Notice it starts with his love, the, the, the husband's love. It starts there. Now, I want you to think about that, okay, in connection with what we're going to look at in terms of our loving the Lord, okay? Here, it starts with the, the husband's love for the wife. Guess what? Our ability to love, love the Lord, guess where that starts? With God's love for us. And you see that? The, all, the authority figure initiates. The husband initiates love for his wife. That love is motivational, for the wife. It motivates her respect and submission to him. But that in turn motivates the husband to love her better. So it's a mutually reinforcing cycle, circle. That's what you ought to see. If you want to say, I want to live in a great marriage, then live in the circle, right? Get the motivation right. Get the action right. That'll turn in turn motivate your partner, your husband or the husband in this case, and he'll have be motivated more to love you, and so forth. It's a circle. Okay, back to our main passage this morning. John chapter 14, 15. <clears throat> John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus here has given a seminar. Right on the interlocking, reinforcing power. Remember, it is power, energy of obedience for him and love for him. So what we're going to do now is consider other scriptures which also speak of this, this mutual relationship between love and obedience. Now, the first thing, if we're going to talk about love, we've got to first understand what it means, what it is, not according to the world or according to our desires or heart or whatever, but according to Jesus and his father. And of course, uh, we've mentioned this before, um, but here's the thing. I want you to focus this thinking about love being a motivation for action, right? What is love then? Love is giving or acting sacrificially. Giving or acting sacrificially on behalf of the beloved for the benefit of the beloved. That's what love is. Love is not a feeling. Love is not a postcard, right? Love is not um, an emotion, right? Love is not an accident. Love is purposefully giving or acting or both sacrificially for the benefit of the beloved, the one loved. Acting sacrificially on behalf of the one loved. That's what love is. Want to think love, think about action. Action, ultimately. We're going to see it starts where it starts in, in our thinking. But ultimately, the definition of love is acting or giving sacrificially for the benefit of the one you love. And God set the precedence, did he not? For God so loved the world, what, did he, what happened after that? He gave. Can you see it? God sets the precedent. Love gives, right? So God so loved the world that he gave. In fact, let's just look at the passage. Look at John chapter 3, verse 16. Love is giving or acting sacrificially. Was it a sacrifice for God to allow his son to come down here and become a human being? Yeah. 
Was it a sacrifice for Jesus to go to the cross for us? Absolutely. What did it show? Love. That's what it showed. Love. It showed God had love for the world, the world of unbelievers, and he gave his son. Jesus loved his father and loved the world. He gave his life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I want you to notice that it's but for the benefit of somebody else. God loved the world, even though the world was in rebellion against him, even though the world still is in rebellion against him. He loved the people. And what did he do? He gave the world the greatest gift ever. What was that? Read the passage. His only son, right? What was the purpose of that? What was the purpose of that? What was the objective? Yeah, and in this and in this particular verse, he loved, he acted for a purpose. The purpose was not for him or his son, but for somebody else, for us, that whoever believes in him, that was the purpose, shall never perish but have eternal life. Let me ask you something. Is not perishing a gift? Is not perishing something that's for our benefit? For did he die on our behalf? Of course. Is getting eternal life our benefit? Of course. Is it God's benefit? Well, he already has it, right? So giving is acting sacrificially for the benefit of the one. I mean, loving is acting sacrificially for the benefit of the one you love. Jesus put it another way. Look at John chapter 15, verse 13. This is how Jesus put it in connection with him and in connection with us. John 15, 13. Love is taking action for the benefit of the one you love. John 15, 13. Greater love, that greater love has to be God's love because there's no greater than that. Greater love has no one than this, that one what? Lay down his life for his friends. Action, action. Okay, you don't simply lay down your life in your mind, okay? It means taking action. Again, it means being sacrificial. It means I got a life. I could just preserve my life. I like it the way it is. I like my weekends i like my money i like all of that and there's nothing wrong with that enjoying god's blessings but if you want to love the way jesus loved then you lay some of that down you say you know what i'm going to do without that right i'm going to do without my time which i could have done in my own life and i'm going to lay that down for somebody else in particular a member of the body of christ of course is the is the one that he really focuses on for us. I know that seems exclusive, but that's what the Bible says. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid on his life for his friends. This is not just dying. That's the ultimate, but it's a daily opportunity for us to lay down our lives for others, for our friends. For the, Our friends are the ones that we love, right? Lay down our lives for the ones that we love. And then he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. There's a no escape from the connection between love and obedience. Love is acting or giving sacrificially on behalf of the benefit or for the benefit of the one loved. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. The Gospel of John and letter of 1 John are also a fabric. All right here, the Gospel comes and introduces these principles Primarily for the benefit of what? 
What's the overall picture of the Gospel of John answering the question, who is Jesus? What's 1 John about? 1 John is about how we enter into that, how we ought to live, how we ought to know, by the way, that we're saved. We talk about, by the way, assurance in salvation. It's a wonderful thing, and we're all supposed to have it. Well, 1 John talks about that. How do we know that we have entered into eternal life? Well, here's one of the ways, by the way. 1 John 3.16, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, so far, doesn't that sound exactly like what we just read in John 15? That's because it is. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But what John comes along and does is he pinpoints something. He illustrates it. So in other words, it's not just the concept anymore with John. And it isn't with Jesus either. But here he gets at something that's, you know, really going to test whether or not when we say we love. Look at verse 17. And by the way, this is laying down our lives. It's not simply dying. It's also this. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, another believer, and closes his heart against him, closes his heart against him, How does the love of God abide in him? Remember, are you living the life, the love of God, you're living in it, right? How does that happen? If you see somebody, a brother especially, in need, if you see, for example, believers in India and they have a need, they're they're meeting the needs of people, they have a need, we have the ability Right. If we should, we just close our heart. Now, we look I'm not saying that everything that comes into your life you have to do, but you don't want to close your heart. You don't want to close off the possibility. Right. That's not love. Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him. How does the love of God abide in him? And then verse 18, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. May it it be genuine. May your heart not be closed against your brother who needs something. Take action on on their behalf. And we see the same thing, of course, in our passage this morning. Let's go back once more to John chapter 14, verse 15. Again, love in action. Definition. John 14, 15. If you love me, Jesus speaking, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, let's go through this. Love is not simply a mental attitude, although it does begin there. Right? It does begin there. If you close your heart, then your mental attitude is shut down and you're not going to go any further. If you haven't come to know him, then you're not capable yet of loving the way that he's asking for in that sacrificial way. So it does begin with our mental attitude, our thinking, like have this attitude that was also Christ's. So I'm not throwing that out, but it's not just that. Keeping his commandments requires more of us than simply knowing them. Knowing them is first, but keeping them is the key. You need to know them before you can keep them. But if you know these things, this should sound familiar from chapter 13. If you know these things, you're blessed if you don't even remember. Do them right. Right. You can't escape this. Okay. 
It's, it's so clear, especially in the Gospels of John, especially. Very simply, by the way, keeping his commandments means actually doing what he says. Okay? Actually doing what he says. Uh, can you see that there's perhaps a theme this morning? It's said all kinds of ways. In fact, let's look at it again in the Gospel of Luke. Again, Jesus is speaking. Keeping his commandments is doing what he says. If you love me, Jesus says, you'll keep my commandments. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 46. The same subject. The same subject. He's going to illustrate it in a memorable way. I know a lot of you know this passage. But let's come to it again this this morning. Let's talk about the connection between loving him and obeying him. Okay, Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? That's a good question. Why? Well, because Lord, Lord means that he, I'm an authority to him. I'm supposed to obey him, right? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? See, you're lying, right? Just like we saw before, the same thing. You can say you come to know him, but if you don't do what he says, you're lying. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? This ought to be like, if somebody wants to put a, something on the on the Facebook that will challenge other believers, this is not a bad one, right? Because there's a lot of calling Lord, Lord out there. There's a lot of saying, I love him and all. But do you do what he says? You see, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I'll, everyone, now here's the illustration, memorable. Everyone who comes to me and notice, here's my words. That's where it starts. And what? acts on them. You hear it and you do it. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words, as tough as they may be, and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. How do you build that house, that edifice of love, if I could put it that way, you do what he says. You just do what he says. Come to him, hear his word, act on them. That's a well-built house. He's going to go on to say, if you don't do that, when the floods come, it's going to wipe you out. That doesn't mean you lose your salvation, right? But it does mean by not abiding abiding in that love-obedience relationship that you won't have what you need to have to withstand the evil day. You'll fall apart. You know that expression? That's what's going to happen. You're going to fall apart because you don't have the right motivation. You haven't taken the right action, and you're going to fall apart. The essence of love is not a feeling, although a feeling may accompany it. The demonstration of love is not just telling somebody you love him, although that's okay. The perfection of love is not a thought, although it does start with a thought. The essential thing about love is taking action on behalf of the one you love. Let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. And when it comes to loving Jesus, taking action simply means obeying his commandments. Now, I'm going to love in deed right now. Believe me, I have more here, okay? But I know, too, that, that, that there's a lot here, and I'm going to give you a chance to, but I may start here again. When we come back on the second, okay? But I want to stop at this point because it's a good stopping off point. And we'll 
we may pick this up. We may go on to the Holy Spirit. But uh, there's enough here. But again, when it comes to loving Jesus, taking action means obeying his commands. And the one he's going to, by the way, I'll give you a preview. The one he's going to highlight, the one that's primary, again, is loving each other. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for our instruction in your word. And today, thank you for the challenge. We know that you have given us the resources to actually do what you command us to do. You know, those resources do include coming to know you through your word, but they also come to come to love you and obey you. And, and, and by that, thank you that we also have the Holy Spirit. Who, can, who provides the power for this to actually go. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, again, I just want to remind you that we, I think we're going to have our first service, pretty much know we are, on July 2nd, Sunday, July 2nd. Again, those who are on the internet, remember, we'll be off Skype. So don't go to Skype, right, for service that day. We'll be having instead, like we used to have, live video, and there'll be a link on the homepage at the very top for you to be able to go and get the live video. Also, because that's the first Sunday of the month, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. I think that's a great way to, to initiate our life in that new, new, new facility. All right. Also, no Bible study this Thursday or next. No service next Sunday. We'll convene again on Sunday, July 2nd. All right, let's close. Heavenly Father, thank you this day again for really for all the challenges that we also have been given by you, that you've given us situations, practical situations to put into practice what it is that we say we believe and help you. Please continue to do that. Please continue to have your word motivate us to take the action you want us to take. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.